Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today we'll be interviewing illustrious brother Robert Whitmore, Supreme Grand Commander of the Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite of Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. on the Working Tools podcast, we'll be interviewing what we would know in the Blue Lodge as Right Worshipful Brother Robert Whitmore. But for purposes of our discussion today, since we're talking about uh, Scottish Rite in Canada, is the proper title will be Illustrious Brother Robert Whitmore, who is the Supreme Grand Commander of Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite of Canada and a Mason in Ontario. Illustrious Sir, welcome to our humble podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. So uh, I guess my first question is, what's uh, the history of your, how did how does one get to be Sovereign Grand Commander? What is your uh, your Masonic history, if you will? <laughs> well, I guess you just don't say no quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true? But um, yes, well, um, to enter the Scottish Rite, of course, one has to travel through uh, the craft lodges. And uh, after completing the three degrees in our craft lodges here in Hamilton, I joined the Scottish Rite and uh, gradually worked through. In Canada, we have uh, three bodies of Scottish Rite, Lodge of Perfection, Sovereign Chapter Rosecraw, and the Consistory. And then uh, worked my way, was selected to become an active member of our Supreme Council and ultimately um, Lieutenant Grand Commander and now Sovereign Grand Commander. Interesting. So just to lay the foundation, since David, you're in Scottish, right? Right. I am. So since two of us are, are Southern jurisdiction, Scottish right Masons, um, the parallel is that essentially Canada is the equivalent to the Southern jurisdiction or the Northern Masonic jurisdiction here in the U S well in Canada, we only have one jurisdiction and that is all of Canada. So, um, we have, uh, our Supreme council, uh, for Canada has very close relations with both the northern and the southern jurisdictions, but our one Supreme Council uh, has authority throughout Scottish Rite in Canada. Canada, our Scottish Rite in Canada is uh, divided up into uh, 45 different valleys. We have um, approximately 12,000 members in Scottish Rite Canada. Um, throughout Canada, we have um, our active members of Supreme Council. We have uh, 33 active members of Supreme Council, plus any living uh, past Sovereign Grand Commanders are considered as active members of Supreme Council. So um, 
each, essentially each province in Canada uh, has what we call a deputy, uh, being an active member of Supreme Council. Uh, some Ontario, because of the, the large number of members in Ontario, we have four deputies in Ontario. Uh, and the um, Atlantic Canada uh, has um, basically two deputies covering uh, the uh, four provinces there. So it's a little bit different, but essentially uh, similar. Between the deputies and active members, how many do you have? Well, the deputies are counted as active members. So when we have, when I say we have 33 active members of Supreme Council, uh, that's 33 plus uh, any living sovereign grand commander uh, continues as an active member. In Canada, an active member, other than a past sovereign grand commander, um, at, upon attaining the age of 75, uh, moves on to become known as what we would call past active, which okay. means they would continue to um, attend our Supreme Council sessions, continue to uh, be able to speak on any motions, but do not have a vote. Interesting. So besides the age restriction, it, is it a lifetime appointment as well? No, no. Um, the, uh, the Supreme Council offices, so my office as Sovereign Grand Commander has a term of four years. Oh, wow. And uh, Lieutenant Grand Commander is four years. And the other Supreme Council officers are four-year terms, but... Um, uh, the, those offices may be extended, but sovereign grand commander uh, for your turn. And so would it be possible that you might go from sovereign grand commander back to a council seat or would you? Yes, you continue, you, you, you continue as, an, as a, an active member of Supreme Council. You're similar to a past master in uh, a craft lodge. And and so when you become a, uh, uh, pardon me, when you when you go there, how long is the journey uh, from where you start in the chairs, if you will? Like, how many years does that take you? Well, it's not uh, the offices in our Supreme Council are are not progressive offices. The only progressive office is a uh, man would be selected at, or elected as Lieutenant Grand Commander. Uh, and would serve four years in that office and then progress into Sovereign Grand Commander. But the other uh, offices within our Supreme Council uh, are not progressive. Oh. So you may, have, you may have an officer who, who holds the same office for um, several years. He can hold office until such time as he becomes 75 years of age if he, if he wants to. And so is it automatic progression from lieutenant to grand commander, or is it also a voted, or is it more like the craft lodge in that it's still a vote, but you just assume that you're going to take the seat unless something yeah. major happens. That's pretty well it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty well, um, it just happens. That's very interesting. It, it's, it sounds very similar to the, what, what I little, what little I know of the, Southern jurisdiction, but it sounds, except for the lifetime appointment, that's interesting that it's a term. Do you know, was it always a term limit situation or 
what it did it change over the years? Do you know any of that? As far as, as, far as I know, and, and I've looked into it somewhat, um, upon age 75, uh, an active member uh, is required to go uh, past active. Which seventy five isn't what it used to be, maybe, and it's so. But it's a it's been a long standing uh, uh, part of our statutes and regulations. Right. So how often does the Supreme Council meet each year? Our Supreme Council has sessions uh, once a year. Uh, in the past, uh, up until uh, a few years ago, we had a full annual session each year, and they would um, include uh, all the active members, the past active members, as well as our honorary inspectors general. Um, and um, that session would be held in various locations uh, throughout Canada, it would move around each year. And by the time you add in the honorary inspectors general, the uh, actives, past actives, and then um, the candidates, because that was the function in which um, the candidates would receive the honorary inspector general, the 33rd degree. So we would, oh, and uh, spouses are, are present, not for the degree, but they come to the session. So we would have uh, roughly four to 500 people at sessions. Now, recently, with a couple of years ago, we altered the arrangement so that we only have a full annual session every other year. So in the even number years, we have a full session. And in the um, odd numbered years, we have only um, an executive annual session, which includes the active members and the past actives. And those uh, executive annual sessions are done um, by uh, conference call, mm. virtually. Now, so we should have, by rights, had a full annual session this past September, but of course, because of the uh, COVID, uh, we could not proceed with that. So we just had an executive session by uh, conference call. Right. So Scottish, right, like, most of the other Masonic bodies, they has their uh, its own teachings, uh, but it also um, has its has its own focus on uh, charities. Uh, and can you enlighten us about that within uh, sure. the Canada? In Canada, um, you're you're quite right. Uh, charity is uh, uh, quite an important role in what we do. Um, and we have the Scottish Rite Charitable Foundation of Canada, which was set up uh, several years ago. And that uh, charitable foundation uh, receives donations and um, makes grants for the purposes of research into, uh, we call it puzzles of the mind. Uh, research into uh, things such as um, uh, Alzheimer's um, and uh, th that type of um, uh, problem. And those uh, research grants go to into the, the medical research into the, that field. 
so that's an important part of our Scottish Rite Charitable Foundation. And the other important part of the foundation is uh, our uh, Scottish Rite Learning Centres. And these, of course, um, I suppose we could say we uh, modeled them to a large extent over the uh, learning centers that are uh, prevalent in the United States and your jurisdictions. Um, the purpose of a learning center is to provide uh, free one-on-one uh, -on -one tutoring to children uh, suffering from dyslexia. And uh, currently in Canada, uh, we have nine learning centers uh, in operation, plus uh, there's one additional learning center, which is a satellite uh, center, uh, and that's in, um, in Ontario. So our learning centers um, are uh, quite, we're quite proud of them, and uh, they're quite successful. Um, it's been challenging, to say the least, uh, over the last uh, several months as uh, schools were shut down. Our learning centers, of course, had to be uh, shut down. And uh, in most of Canada, uh, beginning in September, schools were gradually reopening, at least to a limited extent. And we uh, approached our learning centers sort of on a one-to-one or one by one basis uh, and assured uh, ourselves, we have an executive director who uh, supervises all of the learning centers in Canada, uh, received assurances that each learning center before it opened uh, was putting um, the appropriate safeguards into place and, um, and then uh, would move forward in the reopening. There are a couple of learning centers uh, that we were not able to open in the sense of having the children come in person because the facilities uh, unfortunately weren't large enough to accommodate the proper uh, physical distancing that we're all uh, living with these days. So in those cases, those learning centers are providing the tutoring one-on-one, uh, -on -one, uh, but virtually. So as I said, the learning centers are a success story. I know there's a success story in the United States uh, and um, there are a lot of work. There are a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of money, uh, but when I am able to attend the, uh, the graduation celebra celebrations uh, for a learning center and see the success stories of the children who've completed the program, uh, it certainly uh, makes you proud and makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, I, I imagine that um, the uh, the personal gratification of uh, uh, knowing uh, uh, the accomplishments of the program is is to see it. it it's got to feel so good. I, I, I'm I'm glad we have that in our organization. Yeah. Um, now maybe a, a different kind of question. Um, just you know, why not? Uh, for our benefit of our listeners out there, is the job of Sovereign Grand Commander 
very similar to that of a worshipful master or what do you spend most of your time doing um is it is it more running the supreme council or is it more involved with the charities you know well um the charities are an important part of it but uh with respect to our scottish right charitable foundation it has a separate board of directors it has a uh separate uh, president and so it is run uh, independently uh, of our Supreme Council, albeit the two work very closely together. Um, is Sovereign Grand Commander like being a worshipful master? Well, in some regards it is, in the sense that, um, for instance, when we do have a full session and we are uh, conferring uh, a 33rd degree uh, on, um, our candidates, uh, the Sovereign Grand Commander presides of that degree in the same manner as a Worshipful Master would do um, in Craft Lodge. Uh, it's, uh, it's the same in the sense that the Sovereign Grand Commander, um, uh, I spend a lot of time um, with the administration of Supreme Council affairs and, and, and the various uh, issues and questions and needs that come up uh, from our various valleys and uh, the bodies within the valleys. So that's um, quite a bit of time. But um, in addition to Sovereign Grand Commander, we have a uh, Grand, Grand Secretary General uh, who deals a lot with the administrative affairs. Um, and we also have a chief operating officer uh, who is um, uh, employed uh, by our Supreme Council. Uh, and we're very happy, uh, was just recently um, elevated to an active member of our Supreme Council as well. So, uh, Yes, Sovereign Grand Commander does a lot of things similar to what a Worshipful Master does, but he has a lot of help too. And uh, I guess the one other aspect of being Sovereign Grand Commander is in normal times, it involves traveling uh, throughout Canada to our various valleys and um, attending meetings, doing official visits to each valley uh, in Canada. Um, I've just completed uh, year two of my four-year term, uh, so um, I very much enjoyed uh, the visits that uh, I was able to do so far. Had a wonderful visit to British Columbia uh, and um, uh, visited uh, several valleys within British Columbia, um, but again, those visits at the moment are suspended along with all of our in-person uh, Scottish Rite activities. So, you know, some Grand Masters and so on, they have a, a theme for their year or a special project that they've undertaken or something in particular that they've they're gonna strive to achieve during their term. Um, is there any such thing that uh, going into the Sovereign Grand Commander's chair or is it, uh, this is the stuff you need to take care of and you're just, you got to focus on that stuff. Well, a bit of both. Uh, but what I, uh, 
have indicated and tried to uh, stress uh, is not uh, anything that's new to anybody, but the uh, challenge of um, engagement, enthusiasm, keeping our existing members uh, engaged and enthused and participating. Uh, I'm uh, quite convinced that uh, 100 actively involved Masons is a lot better than a thousand Masons who don't participate in any way. So uh, engagement and uh, enthusiasm, I think are very important. And that's, you know, probably even greater now uh, that we're uh, under this uh, indefinite suspension and how are we going to, how are we gonna keep the enthusiasm alive and how are we going to encourage our brethren to come back uh, when the time is right? And I see that as a, as a major challenge. I agree. There's a, I, I think all the, all the levels of masonry are going to have that same challenge when, yes. when, uh, when, we re when things return to normal. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I hate to keep comparing the, the Southern jurisdiction to, to the Canada just, but it's, well, frankly, it's my frame of reference. It's what I know. So yeah. is the, I know uh, in the Southern jurisdiction, a lot of uh, valleys will do a, like a weekend reunion and we'll do all the degrees in one, one, you know, a couple three days of activity. Is that common in Canada also, or is do you, is it more the way my Valley does it is, you know, we do one or two degrees and spread them out over the course of a year. Is it, um, which is more common, I guess, than Canada, is it? A well, we, we, we have both. Uh, some valleys, uh, uh, a body will meet, uh, might meet once a month and do a degree. Uh, and uh, the um, candidates would progress through the various degrees, uh, first through the Lodge of Perfection, then the Chapter of Rosecraw, and then the Consistory. Um, and different valleys have different uh, schedules so that it, it works out. And, um, uh, and so those valleys, uh, it's, they don't do the, them all at once. Other valleys, my valley of Hamilton, we uh, have what we call a, a, a fall reunion and spring assembly. Uh, so the fall reunion, um, which usually takes place in November, uh, the Lodge of Perfection uh, will meet. Uh, we meet on a Monday night when we would do the fourth and fifth degree and then they would meet all day Tuesday and include uh, the other obligatory degrees of the Lodge of Perfection. And then um, in the evening of the Tuesday uh, would receive the 14th degree. Uh, then uh, the chapter Rose Craw uh, typically would meet uh, on the uh, Wednesday and Thursday of that week. Um, and then the consistory uh, on the uh, Friday and Saturday. So sometimes a, a candidate will choose to go right through uh, all three bodies in, um, in the one week, uh, but more often than not, uh, they'll, uh, 
They might do the logic perfection in the fall and then wait and do the chapter rose craw in the spring uh, and being part of the Easter ceremonies and then uh, doing a consistory uh, perhaps the next fall. Um, so as I said, in some valleys, it's one degree at a time, uh, one degree at per meeting. Other valleys uh, use the reunion format. Yeah, I, I've uh, heard the experience of some guys in the Valley of Vancouver um, doing it all in one weekend. And some of our guys here have gone there and gone through all the degrees in the one weekend, um, mostly because their work schedules took them out of town too much for them to be going through our degrees. Um, because I guess here we, in the Valley of Vernon, we really drag it out because um, you go through Scottish right in the first year. In the second year, you go through the Rose Craw. And the third year, you can start into the consistory. But our consistory, it'll work out that it would take you two years to go through the consistory degrees. Um, but one of the really unique things that we do uh, is our, our adjacent valley in the Valley of Kamloops, they uh, also are on that same program, um, but we will travel to their valley for the 13th degree, and they yeah. will travel to our valley for the 5th degree. And so we get some uh, visiting, cross-jurisdiction uh, cross visiting happening, which is really cool. Uh, yes, that's, that is very nice. Uh, I mean, uh, spreading them out, like you've said, uh, I think uh, has some, uh, something to be said for it in that it uh, builds the habit of attending. Yes, yes. Well, there is, that, there is that habit of attending. But, you know, one of the things that we found uh, most interesting, because our valley likes to focus a little bit on ed education, is mm -hmm. um, we've adopted... Uh, the process of getting guys to do a bit of a report on the degree that they experience as they're progressing. And um, that's been very enlightening to see the, the different feedback and to see how much they actually retained, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Education is clearly an important aspect of, uh, of Scottish Right. We did a survey a few years ago of our membership uh, including what would you like to see? And uh, education was uh, front and center. Uh, our, our, our brethren clearly uh, want and enjoy education. There have been some wonderful education uh, presentations made during this uh, period of suspension uh, through Zoom. Uh, and that's enabled, you know, people from Ontario to come to the education program put on by the Valley of Vancouver uh, through, the, through, through Zoom, which otherwise wouldn't be happening. So, uh, but um, in my visits around uh, the country, I try each time to meet with the, um, the officers and, and, and the, 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 the leaders in the Valley and uh, several Valleys have adopted that very same program where the candidates uh, uh, make a presentation or write a paper or do something uh, with respect to the degree that they've just seen. So I think that's excellent. Yeah, we, we, we've lightened their load and we've asked them only, you know, just a little paragraph, just something yeah. that stood out. 
um, you know, which indicates to us how much they really retained, right? Because yes. there was a lot of debate at one point of whether doing it our way and dragging it out so long or going to the one weekend thing, <clears throat> which was more educational. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, certainly in Hamilton, the, the people that uh, uh, try and go through all three bodies uh, at one time in, in a week, it, it's a full week, uh, and, and they come out of it with, uh, it's pretty much a blur. Uh, and, uh, so those brethren, more importantly than anybody, probably, you know, you need to come back. You need to see it. Even you go to, you get your first degree, uh, you have to go back and see one because it's it's uh, it's pretty confusing uh, the first time you uh, you go through it. So um, I uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, your valley is doing the educational programs. Well, We're having a, actually on uh, uh, October 26th, uh, we're having. Um, a, a countrywide uh, educational program, uh, which you'll be receiving notice of, um, with a presentation being made uh, by uh, David Freeman uh, from British Columbia, and he's he's making a presentation. So we're doing that uh, through Zoom. Uh, it's going to be presented twice on uh, in the evening of October 26, two times to a accommodate the, the various time changes throughout the country. Steve, you uh, make, sure you send that, that. make sure you send that link. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, you'll be getting we'll, that, Steve. We'll eavesdrop from the U.S. Yes. <laughs> Good. Well, Lester, sir, we just have just a few minutes left. Uh, do, do you find in Canada that, at least in the southern jurisdiction and Scottish Rite in general, I think we call it the University of Masonry, or it's sometimes referred to as the University of Masonry. Do you find that Scottish Rite is able to give that education and teaching into the Blue Lodge? I, I think there's always, personally, I think there's a lacking connection between a, a real meaningful connection, not just Scottish Rite members that are also Blue Lodge members and happen to attend. And you look at somebody and go, oh, well, he's a Scottish Rite member. But do you find or even hope that maybe the Scottish Rite member would be maybe an educational leader in their lodge and, and developing educational programs and delivering educational programs and being that conduit in the Blue Lodge format, which I think would be a great marketing tool for Scottish Rite because if you have your, your, your speakers that come in, generally are looked to as the leaders and looked to as the rock star, if you will, and people would generally gravitate to them after the meeting and want to know more about it. And of course they can explain that they're a member of Scottish Rite, which may attract other members. Do you find that in Canada that Scottish Rite has that role at all? Well, to some extent, but I think that's a role that we could improve. I think that we could improve. I think uh, so much depends on valley by valley, uh, craft lodge by craft lodge. Uh, you know, in um, in my own particular craft lodge, uh, when I joined, there were uh, most of the involved members in the craft lodge also were involved members of Scottish Rite, and uh, in that regard, uh, encouraged uh, new craft lodge members uh, to 
uh, continue on through Scottish Rite. In other craft lodges, that isn't so much the case. So, uh, it, but it's an ideal to strive for, that's for sure. Yeah, what, what caught my attention was the best ritualists seem to be Scottish Rite members. And so it was like, okay, I was going to check that out because I take great pride in, in, in memory work uh, and right. whatnot. Um, now, uh, illustrious uh, Grand Commander, now question for you, uh, being that we're running down to the end of our, our time here. Um, is there any message that you want to get out to the general public or anybody who happens to see this uh, episode of our podcast? Well, I guess what I'd like to say is that of importance in Scottish Rite, just as in all of Freemasonry, especially in these uh, difficult times, is the uh, importance of benevolence and the uh, fact that we all need to look out for each other. And when I say benevolence, I, I certainly I include financial benevolence because a lot of our brethren are facing hardship uh, right now with loss of employment and so on. But benevolence is more than just financial aid. It's reaching out to friends, reaching out to uh, uh, family members, uh, families of our deceased brethren. And uh, we are really encouraging benevolence uh, more than ever uh, right now. Amen. It, yep, we definitely need some of that, and and I, I heartily echo what you said about uh, Masonic education. These days, what we've, what we as a fraternity have suffered in a loss of fellowship, I think can be, is, there's been a gain in Masonic education that uh, that can definitely be. I hope to see continued. And if anyone has the ability to see this podcast, they have the same ability to get a world of education out there. It's all, it's a uh, constantly being uh, present at various places around the world. Not only education, but when you think about it, the fellowship is really expanding as well. When you consider how many people are crossing borders now uh, just by getting on their computer and getting onto a Zoom education. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Well, with that, um, as, as has been said, we're running out of time. So I would like to thank you uh, to or say a thank you to illustrious brother Robert Whitmore, the Supreme Grand Commander of Ancient Accepted Scottish Rite of Canada. And uh, on behalf of of very worship brother David and worship brother Steve and myself. Uh, thank you this evening for coming out, sir. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it very much. And, and we have uh, the good work. Oh, uh, we try. <laughs> and we look forward to, uh, to putting out another episode soon of the Working Tools Masonic Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>